welcome to Please Watch This, a podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to each other so they can once and for all answer the question, who has better taste? As always, I'm Sam Blakely, here for what must be episode 76, five, one of the 70s, and uh, as always, I'm joined by old-time friend Hugh Dempsey. Hugh Dempsey, how are you? Hello, Happy New Year to you, Sam. And a merry new, happy new year to you too. We've had a week off. Are you feeling energised, refreshed? Let's say yes. <laughs> well, we, we... Any any dramas over Christmas? No, pretty quiet, uh, to be honest. Was, uh, yeah, just didn't... The only thing, just didn't go out for New Year or go anywhere for New Year, which was weird for the first How time. How did you see him? I'll be honest, I was on my own, mate, to be frank. Pizza just... and underpants? <laughs> Oh, that's the dream, isn't it? Um, <laughs> no, I just cheese toasty and naked. I was pretty much in what bed, slipping a crepe, and uh, got up, watched uh, the Hoot and Annie, and then listened to a load of fireworks and saw a few of them, and then watched a bit more of the Hoot and Annie. Went to bed. That was it. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, Alicia Keys kind of ruined it because she she brought in the new year with um, New York's New York state of mind. Didn't even worry about uh, you know bloody. Old Anxiety. She could have done Newport, couldn't she? Being even then, it was just a bit indulgent. It was. I was just like, this isn't an Alicia Keys concert, love. I know you're Alicia Keys and you're performing, but <laughs> this, is, this is the nation's this, new this year. This is why you watch the Hooter, Nanny. Yeah. They make such different, they make such odd choices on the BBC. They do. We're not here to talk about that, though, you'd be surprised to know. Yeah. Um, that's the that's the gay banter out of the way. <laughs> uh, we are an award-winning... I mean, we're looking at an award-winning film. We're not award-winning as yet. Um, I mean... We're looking at the best picture... Would you like winner. me to give you an award? Like, I'd love an award. The second Just, best podcast presenter on our podcast. If you could laminate it, I'll get it on the wall. Right. I'll make sure... I'll, uh, I'll buy a laminator. <laughs> Uh, so, listener, you've you've clicked on the episode. You obviously know we're talking about Parasite, winner of Best Picture, Best Director, Best Screenplay, and Best Foreign Film at the Oscars in twenty. You win Best Foreign Film as well. well. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? If it's the I best mean, did film, it? <laughs> I'm asking genuinely. Did it? <laughs> it did. All yeah. right, well, that's that's weird. So it won two Best Picture awards, basically. <laughs> yeah, I guess the second one was by default, and I think the greatest award was that it pissed Donald Trump off, and I just that that was mm. the greatest award it could be. Yeah. So yeah, Parasite, it's a film. It came out in the UK in 2020. It came out most of the places in 2019. Um, I went to see it back in February or so when it came out. I had a bit of a date night. Before the dark times, and, eh? Um, before the dark times all erupted. And it's uh, it's on Amazon Prime, listener, if you're in the UK and presumably elsewhere. Uh, Hugh, is there any you know significant reason why you hadn't seen it until now? Was it a podcast-related omission? No, I just hadn't seen it. Not racism or no, subtitle no. homophobia. No, I, I don't think you can make America great again, to be honest. <laughs> I think it's had its day, to be frank. <laughs> <laughs> it's done. It's done. Uh, yeah, so Parasite, this is what we're here to talk about. We'll have a normal format, you know. Hugh has just seen it for the first time. I'd seen it before, once before. Um, I'll talk about why I like it, find out if Hugh likes it, and uh, we'll all have a bloody good evening. Go on then. I'll give a little synopsis. Uh, I Well, later when I talk about Mark Kermode's review, one of the things he stresses is that the best way to see this film is knowing nothing going in. And in fact, Hugh, I'll put it to you, did you know anything about this film going in? I imagine you knew a bit of the plot? Mm, not really, no. I didn't have a... Good. I'd kind of missed a lot of the 
because obviously I didn't know it was going to win Best Picture, I'd kind of not really seen anything. I'd heard about it, obviously. Um, yeah. I'd heard it was well-rated, but I wasn't expecting it to win Best Picture, so that came as a bit of a surprise. And then that all came and went, and yeah, nobody really... I just knew that it was kind of a film about class, and that was always... Right. And I know that Bong Joon-ho is quite... That's a th- big theme of his films. The, well, the one, the other one that I've seen of his. Uh, yeah, which, we cost covered Snowpiercer. We did uh, last year. I we think. did. Yeah, um, yeah and I, I was the same. I didn't know anything about it going in, and I was really a bit worried actually that you'd you'd know some things because you're not averse to a synopsis and a trailer and so on before you see a film. No, so I'll, I'll watch them. Say much about it. So, listener, that is, um, you know, big spoiler warning. Please don't keep listening if you haven't seen the film. Um, Go on then, uh, Sam. Give, if you us, have, give us a us. quick synopsis. Talk, so it's uh, it, talk about it. It's it's South Korea and it's a very poor family, the Kim family. They infiltrate one by one a very rich family, the Park family, uh, taking on odd jobs under kind of assumed uh, names. So the young boy he becomes the tutor to the young girl in the family. The young Kim girl becomes an art therapist to the young boy in the Park family. The dad becomes the driver to the other dad. The mother becomes the housekeeper for them. So they infiltrate into this rich family. But they, I mean, crucially, that this family doesn't know that they're related. So it's they kind of do it in a exactly, sort of yeah. a Machiavellian way, way don't they? Yeah, they con their way into it because yeah. they, they see there's, there's money to be made essentially. And it's, it's basically all about, as you said, it's all about class and it's it's showing the differences between these and it's. They're taking on jobs that are the only sort of jobs that mean rich people and poor people ever spend time together. Uh, and then halfway point hits again. Spoiler alert! Don't listen to this if you haven't seen the film. Uh, it turns out that there's another family living underneath uh, the in the basement of the rich uh, Mister of uh, the rich Park family's mm. house, or rather, it's the, the housekeeper is is feeding her husband, uh, who's been living in there under there for years. So it's really about levels, uh, class. Going upstairs, going down. It's upstairs, downstairs for the uh, the twenty first century Koreans. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, you know, you know, you've probably seen it. So I'll, I'll just get straight into why I like it. I mean, it's I've got almost nothing new to say that you won't have heard from other people. Really, it's oh. a just a tremendously gorgeous film. It looks great. It's so witty and smart. It's so funny. Uh, I've mentioned several times recently. I, my favorite films are comedies that aren't out and out comedies. This is right in that sweet spot of that you know it's pretty gritty it's a social commentary there's blood there's all kinds of horribleness but it's very very funny um which i think is is great and I, you know i give I, I suppose a positive but maybe lukewarm positive review of snowpiercer um for the because this film is better in a way because snowpiercer to me doesn't say much more than there's the haves and the have-nots and those at the front of the train have those at the back of the train don't have and it's a better film than that i've made it out made it seem but um you know it's, it's sort of saying there's rich people yeah and and whereas parasite has more nuance to it and more interesting themes and it's and it is about physical geography and location you know it's the people who live uh, in the down under the basement, in the semi-basement, and then in the glorious, uh, you know, big rich houses. But it's more than that. It's kind of double-sided. It's ambiguous as to who the parasites are. Are the parasites actually 
the rich people being a parasite on society and not really contributing or is it the the poor kim family who are very parasitically uh kind of infecting the the, the park household um but i just i really like a lot of the symbolism uh, the use of smell as well that, that comes up especially after about halfway point it's very clear that that poor poverty is a stench that you wear and you can't really get out of so it's about social mobility being intractable but in a much more nuanced way than than the kind of allegory that the train on snowpiercer is um it's so beautifully written it's a real how to write uh, for a screenwriters in terms of it hits all the beats there's the fun and games that i've talked about in the past from the save the cat book you know the when they're infiltrating the uh, park family that's where it's just a lot of fun seeing their little scams to get in there it's uh, I, I looked at the time code and it's basically almost exactly to the to the minute at uh, the midpoint where they discover um that there's somebody living in the basement underneath the house so it's properly right in the middle it's a it's a midpoint it's a it's how to do a twist in many ways that's not a third act reveal uh it's almost a a cut to second act really yeah, the film kind of does. The ex- it does kind of sit in two halves, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, and for some that's jarring. Bong Joon Ho is is seemingly known for tonal shifts. Um, I don't think you've seen Okja, but that has a sort of a similar thing. You know, it's, it's kind of beautiful, and then it's really tra- traumatically brutal. Um, and it might be something maybe that you that you end up not liking about it. It might be something that you really respect about it. It's just it, all of a sudden, and then it gets really brutal and violent, and there's deaths. And it could be seen as being jarring, but actually then when you think about it, you go, well, actually this film's been dark the whole way through. It's just that it was had a few more laughs earlier on. Um, and having watched it again, and then watched it again today uh, for the third time, you see just how intricately it builds so well. There's, there's, there's just there's several images that are reused um, that you almost don't notice until either the most significant version of it occurs or you watch it again so possibly the most famous shot from the film is where the man who's living under the into the in the basement he just looks above the step for a second he's kind of like a face in the darkness and that's the face that has kind of tortured uh da song the the young boy um that had occurred a couple times previously where the camera is set up at the top of the steps but away away from the steps and a character comes up the steps and you just see their kind of eyes uh, reacting to something that is that because like the lot. actual physical geography of the the Kim's house there's, there's the entrance where there's steps leading up into the living room isn't it yes that's right and it's and you know everywhere you look about this film it's it's stairs it's up and down stairs where um there's a part where the it's flood there's a flood basically you know there's a deluge of rain and it's just a, a minor inconvenience to the parks but for the Kims it's completely ruined their whole neighborhood and they're going down just these they're just going down and down down stairs and ramps the whole way from the park's house to their house um so that's it i I won't you know i won't say too much more because when we get hugh's views i'll go into it a little bit more but it is just a wonderful film it looks brilliant it's written fantastically well and it's performed so excellently well um song kang ho who plays mr kim the driver Mm. he he's in four i think of bong joon ho's films and Bong Joon-ho basically said he wouldn't ma- have made this film if uh, Song Kang-ho wasn't, wasn't on board for it. Mm. He's a wonderful actor. Just so There's just something comically vulnerable about him, but there's strength and there's a twinkle in his eye. He, he's just a wonderful actor. So I'll, um, 
I'll stop. <laughs> In terms of what Hugh might not like, though, because yeah. you know, every week we sort of we we look forward to seeing what the other person thinks about the film. I almost don't want to know what you think about this film if it's not that you love it. Um, <laughs> Why is that? I think I just I just don't want you to dislike it. Right. <laughs> you know, when you just sort of you just feel strongly about something, yeah. and it's there's a very good chance that you could give this a ten out of ten, but. And it is better than, let's say, Place Beyond the Pines or Blue Ruin, but those are films I felt very strongly about that look brilliant that I was worried about your view on. I think you'll much, much prefer this to them, but I don't know if I could take it if you were just lukewarm well, or what kind of critical. Specifically, of if you were to put a critical eye, what do you think I wouldn't like about it? Like, I think right off the bat, the, the, the biggest hindrance is just how hyped this film is for you. Right. You know, it's like it's like when you finally do watch The Wire. There's no way that you're going to think it's as good as <laughs> I've made it out to be because it's been ten years of me saying, "Please watch yeah. this uh, TV show." Uh, I was worried you'd, you'd have known a lot about it before you watched it, so I'm glad that that's not true. Yeah, and like I said, maybe the midpoint was jarring. Maybe you didn't think it was totally inconsistent, which is a phrase that people use about films, but I don't think it applies here. Right. I don't think it's totally inconsistent. I think it's intricately woven there are I mean it's not dust, it's not from dust till dawn is it <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking about tonal inconsistencies but I, I, yeah I can see that people might think that yeah so um, I'm worried listener I'm right. genuinely worried oh, we're going to go to a break though um, okay. so we're going to find out if Hugh loved this film lukewarm didn't like it we're going to get a huge view seems like so a join idea. us after the break Welcome back to Please Watch This. Uh, this is one of the tensest Hugh's views I'll ever experience. Hugh, <laughs> what did you like about Parasite? So, um, yeah, who'd have thought we'd have been doing another... Um, Bong Joon-ho. Bong, Bong Joon-ho. Yeah, my, my brain went blank there. Uh, Bong Joon-ho film. You know, two in about a year, isn't it? Two Which, in as many years. <laughs> yeah, it's mad that, isn't it? I, I, you know, film director I'd barely even heard of like yeah. 18 months ago, two years ago, and now all of a sudden we've done two of his films. Um, I suppose you make good films or interesting films. Yeah. You're, gonna, you're going to you're going to get on the podcast, aren't you, I suppose? Sure, I read that he's a billionaire. That's oh. sort of Korean Steve is he Spielberg. A bit, is he a bit like Ty Sheridan, sort of? Not, is it yeah. Ty Sheridan? Yeah, it is. Oh, you're thinking it? of... Uh, Tyler Perry? No, Tyler, Tyler no, you're right. Sorry, not Ty Sheridan. Tyler, Tyler Perry, Perry yeah. yeah. Tyler Perry's like a billionaire, isn't he? Because he's got a production company. You know when you see those like Made in Georgia things at the end of um, yeah. films or TV f- shows? That's I think he owns that cr- those um, recording studios. Oh, do you know what? I'm completely wrong. No. Completely wrong. I'm sure last year when I watched Parasite, I was like... Is he is he poor? Is he from a poor background? I think there he was, is. He's from like a fairly middle class, like good background. He went to a good uni, but it just it does say according to um, celebrity net worth thirty million dollars. So I must I have googled the wrong some, person. Like Asian filmmaker or something who is like a billionaire though. I'm sure I've heard of something. Oh, that's so disappointing the, that I would have just thought, oh yeah, he looks about, that he's got three, he's got a triple barrel Korean sort of name. Yeah, that's probably the director of Parasite. Well, this is it, isn't it? I'm <laughs> sure there is somebody like that. I can't remember who who it no, is though. Know, but like you say, it's going to be somebody who... The fact that you said it and it rang a bell in my head means that there is yeah. somebody out there who is obscenely rich who you don't realise is obscenely rich. Yeah. Um, like a Tyler Perry. <laughs> <laughs> um... So, so yes, yes. so Tell Parasite. Us what, what like about it? So, so yeah, so 
Bong Joon-ho's in the two films that I've watched of his, his whole thing is talking about class, isn't it? You know, very obvious in uh, Snowpiercer with its, um, you know, lower class. You know, it's like, you know, it's all it's steerage below deck sort of, exactly, you know, yeah. horrible sort of living. And then you've got the, the rich people in saunas taking drugs and all that. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, you've got this where it's, you know, you've got a very poor family you know at the beginning it shows them trying to get the wi-fi from the restaurants or the takeaways above yeah, them mm-hmm. um, yeah 2g sorry to try and get 2g i think they were trying to get is that what it is yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they can use whatsapp yeah and they're having to like sit on the toilet to get the to get some signal yeah. and then you've got like obviously as the film progresses you get this like wealthy family um who have this lovely house that was made by an architect and like you said the film's very delineates into two very specific parts with like almost like a little bridge scene in the middle i would say you know when they're all sat on the sofa talking about you know what they'd be like if they were rich um and I would say this film is very it's it's a good film it's well made it's well acted it's got great tension do you know the tension when the family comes back and you you know you've you've got the discovery of the man living in the basement the uh, former housekeeper's husband um it's that's an unusual twist but it's a you know this film that it it, it complicates almost matters doesn't it because this film's like first of all it's saying well, you've got the upper class and you've got the lower class, but then actually there's an underclass as well. And as you said, it, it asks the question, who is the parasite? It doesn't tell you who the parasite is. It goes, well, is it this family that worms its way in, but in like an underhanded ways and aren't, they're not completely truthful about who they are. But then at the same time as the audience, you're quite impressed by what they do. You know, they like, they manipulate the mother so much because she's quite a naive person to get her you know they get the you know to get the whole family getting jobs um like yeah I, that's the thing they're not just they're not just underhanded they're actually so smart and the yeah. kids can't be that old they're you know sort of not even quite college age teenagers and they're so smart so yeah wise and i mean like I, the, they are aren't they they're, they're street smart you know the <laughs> like the way that the uh kim's daughter she's she's like don't be in the room when I'm teaching. <laughs> you yeah. know? And yeah, she's yeah. like, oh, where did you she's hear immediately all this? got song like bowing to her and yeah. uh, leaving her company. Yeah, she's incredible. Yeah, and she's, you know, she's really good at forgery, you know, as well. Um, I think does the dad yeah. say if there was a university course for forgery, she would be <laughs> top of the class and all this. So they've got, they've got actual skills that it doesn't, doesn't actually really say why they're they're poor. It just says mm. that they're poor, and I think. I mean, get, it's, it's. I guess it's implied. It's a systemic problem, isn't it? You know, it's. Uh, yeah, I think there's it's, a. It's impossible to to build from poverty. Yeah, I well. think there's a suggestion that the dad's had jobs in the past, and yeah. he's he's not the ideal employee. I think would be the way. To well, put no, it. I mean the key thing. What was, does he say? Like, when they're talking, it's like, oh, the cafe. No, the cafe went bust, and then that went bust. Oh right. And then that went bust. So when you know, he's clearly good at his what he does he's a great driver and all that uh, well is it him just, who figures out the new technique of making the boxes for the takeaway 
Yeah, uh, but then it's implied that maybe he was the uh, the one of them that was doing it wrong. I think because right. a quarter of them come back rejected. Yeah, and then takes ten percent. But anyway, so so like I really enjoyed that. I enjoyed the first half of this film a lot, probably more, probably more than the second half. If I'm being brutally honest, because I enjoyed them kind of worming their way in and all the clever funny, ways they it? did it. Yeah, I quite enjoyed that because um, you know who doesn't like a film, and almost you like. Yeah, okay, they're not being honest, they're not being truthful, but they're, they're not... And yes, they've got people sacked from their jobs and whatever. I mean, literally, like, I think they get two people sacked, don't they? Which is the housekeeper and the driver. The other yeah. job... Oh, yeah, The other true. two they're jobs, one's given, yeah. basically... They create to, them. Yeah, one job's given to the the uh, the Kim's son. Kevin. And then yeah. he basically convinces them to give his sister the the other job that's going. And then it's only... That when they realise, oh, actually, well, we could get as dad the driver's job and as mum could be the uh, the housekeeper. So, yeah, I quite I quite admire that aspect of that that family um, and sort of they they've done a bad thing, obviously, but they're, they're not. There's no negativity really for say the family. Do you know what I mean? That actually live well, there. yeah, because I suppose because especially Mister Park, they're. They're quite unsympathetic. Yeah. And he's a he doesn't say please and thank you. You know, he's he's clearly you're the hired help, don't cross the line, sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, he's very big on the line, isn't he? Yeah. And yeah, he's like and that's that's obviously a big symbolic thing of Yeah. Uh, and you know, towards the end when um when Mr. Kim he's kind of he doesn't seem to be very happy with doing the Native Indian, Native American uh thing, uh, and and Mr. Park says, you know, I think he's called Nathan, uh, his English name. He says, remember, you're being paid extra for this. And it's like, so therefore, you know, you're my bitch. <laughs> you know, yeah. therefore, you should do this with a smile. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. That sort of dynamic, isn't it? And I, I do like the fact that it doesn't... It does, it does ask that question, who is the parasite? Because is it the rich family who are just, you know, taking advantage of these people's education or abilities like like Mr Kim is a is a good driver do you know what I mean there's a he's not seen as a bad driver he knows his way around the streets he doesn't use the the GPS um, well that's it they've got to they've got to be good at those jobs in the first place haven't they to yeah to convince them yeah. and it's admitted early on that the the the, the uh, park son's basically just faking it anyway so yeah. it doesn't matter what she does because she's not going to do anything <laughs> worse than what's already he's doing to himself. And then there's like a little love story between um, the Kim son and the Park daughter, which felt that felt a little manipulative on his part. But he kind of he's like talking about marrying her and all this stuff, and you know one day he'll have the house and all. You know he goes off. That to his... me felt almost like because his richer friend had basically said the reason why I want you to have this job rather than the frat boys. He's basically saying you don't have a shot with her, but those frat boys will be drooling over her. To me, that almost felt like it was him, because he's the most ambitious, I think, of the mm. Kim family. He wants to be part of that thing, and you know, it's clearly a, an anxiety for him because he even says to his new girlfriend, you know, he says, "I would never fit in here, would I? I don't really look like I, I belong here." Yeah, I he asks, he asks like, her, doesn't he? Does he belong? Does he fit right. in? He's looking um, out at them and he's saying, well, look at this, you know, it was an impromptu party, but they all just look so fabulous, natural and yeah. fabulous. I could never fit in here. And he's wearing, you know, three-day-old uh, 
cheap outfit and all that sort of stuff and it felt almost like him seducing her as i suppose might be the word you'd use yeah was him establishing that yes he is well they say not to bring presents and they all turn up with presents don't they yeah i love they're all fabulously dressed (laughs) oh yeah you can wear sweatpants it's fine yeah 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 they're all really well turned out yeah um but and then he's he's also quite anxious isn't he because he's talking about how his sister when he sees her in the bubble bath saying oh she looks like she fits in and yeah everything like that so so yeah so i really enjoyed that aspect and you know like i know that korea is quite a a class ridden society i know that that's i don't know much about south korea quite honestly but i know that's a big thing there and obviously it's a big thing that uh, Bong Joon-ho wants to talk about in his films and address so I enjoyed all that um, I enjoyed it's great, the great tension when <laughs> when the uh, housekeepers uh, comes back and you've the, the husband's revealed <laughs> and there's all that craziness going on and then the mum kicks her down the stairs <laughs> it's so uh, brutal isn't it yeah, so yeah. Um, but it's a threat to them and I can understand their reaction and then there's all the the hijinks, you know, almost like you said, the comedic, you know, they're all laid under the table while the couple start having sex and all that stuff, which is, again, really funny. And he says, you can smell Mr... He goes, oh, I can smell Mr. Kim. And Mr. Kim's like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Which is which is just leading up to the, the big dramatic finale, really, which is inexplicable when you first see it, I think, until you... Or maybe it isn't until you sort of look at the themes and the way that it's built up, and you know he's had one last one last straw. So, Hugh, am I sensing a, a butt coming here? Well, I, let me, let's, I'm sure I've got some. Maybe I think I'm sure I've got another thing to say about this. Uh, just go back onto my notes here quickly. Um, yeah, I mean the plot twist itself is interesting. You know, because it is a plot twist. It's not. It is unexpected. You're not. You don't. It's not telegraphed. I think there's a light flickering. Maybe I think. I think if you watch, I only watched the film once, but I imagine if you go back and watch it again, there may be. You do see things. There may be some obvious. There's little things as well, like they say the housekeeper. Oh, she eats enough for two people. There's just little things oh, like that right. when you watch it again. Oh, you're like, oh, right, that's interesting. But yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, when I, when I was watching that scene where they're all talking about what would we do if we were rich, I genuinely thought, okay, where's this going? I thought it was going to be a plot to kill the Park family and just squat there or take on their identities or something like that. Which I was kind of looking... I was like, oh, as soon as I thought that might happen, I was looking forward to seeing that happen and how it would play out. I mean, but you in some knew... ways that would almost... Go on, sorry. So I was going to say, in some ways that would almost be the more conventional... Um, pulpy twist like next step I quite like the way they took it in this one yeah it's oh yeah it's definitely a, an unusual direction to go isn't it because it asks you to it almost like doesn't isn't the inference that the little boy has seen the man under the stairs it shows that scene it shows the scene yeah sorry it does doesn't yeah. it yeah. yeah so he has seen him so he's kind of <laughs> you know, freaked out by it and not too sure what's happening. And maybe that's to do with why he's such a difficult child. Um, so, yeah, so I, I, I quite liked that plot twist and then how that all unfolds and them running around. I mean, like, it was when they were sat around, you know, drinking and eating on, in the living room. You knew that the family was coming back. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that wasn't going to be like, okay, bedtime, let's all go to bed and everything's going to yeah, be fine. <laughs> yeah, that was... But that's not criticism, that's just, 
you know, that's um, building You've tension. You've seen films before. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've, seen, I've seen stuff. <laughs> you know, it's building the tension, isn't it? In fact, the only thing that's unusual with that is that they're literally about, is it eight minutes away? So she has yeah. to make the food and they have to try and clean up and they can't do it quick enough. To, that's another uh, sign of the, the Park family's kind of arrogance as well just be like oh we're about eight minutes away just make sure that it's ready when we get in the building <laughs> yeah. it's like she could be in the shower at that point you know yeah uh, yeah, yeah. that's not a long time so yes yeah, so that's all the things i did like about it um again it, i don't you said about omar maybe the tone of the film shifts too quickly um or in unusual ways i think the tone's pretty consistent i don't think it it changes much at all, to be honest with you. Uh, it's well paced. I'm getting sorry to put. I'm getting the sense that you're not jazzed about this film. What is it that's not? Well, there there is a book you. coming. Come on, give it to us. Do you want we're, we're so, all, we're so I'll tell you what. It. Maybe I. There's nothing. So what I didn't like about this. Nothing in particular that I don't like about this film. It's it's a solid film. It mm. is genuinely. It, there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I don't speak Korean, so I can't tell if the accent sounds funny or something. And it's like, oh, he's actually yeah. posh. And how could, you know, like, like, you know, there's nothing like that that I can pick up or anything. If but there's this an is issue not like just that. a solid. This isn't just like a. Oh, I saw this film. It's all right. Is it like surely it's either brilliant or falls? It, it just doesn't work at all, and it's rubbish. No, surely the, it's not just a. Oh, that's quite a good film. So but. my biggest, what I don't get. I just, I think maybe I got it hyped too much. Yeah. And I think the fact that it won the Best Picture Oscar made me think, oh, well, this film's going to be great. And sometimes when somebody hypes a film up, they're right. Do you know what I mean? People don't hype things up if they're terrible, do they, usually? Yeah. You know, it's very rare that someone gets hyped up and you watch it and you laugh at how bad it is. I was really expecting this film to knock my socks off. I thought, oh, this beat... Because I think last year's Oscars... Well, it's quite a strong field. You know, I've, I've got, like, the list here. So you've got Ford v. Ferrari, Jojo Rabbit, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, 1917, Marriage Story, which we've covered on this podcast. And when I compare it to those films that I've seen, so I've seen 1917, I've seen Marriage Story, I've seen Jojo Rabbit, I've seen Ford v. Ferrari, uh, I've seen Joker, which I don't think's an amazing film, personally, but and I've seen The Irishman, again, not very not brilliant I don't think it's as good as 1917 I don't think it's as good as Marriage Story I think they're better films 1917 in particular is a fantastic film it's an absolute glorious but bit of cinema isn't this I don't know I mean maybe this is a there will be blood situation where it's built up and also I feel like a lot of the enjoyment of the film is seeing those seeing the way it's crafted maybe seeing it as in a second time or something but, wasn't but I don't think like you need the, to watch, wasn't I don't think you should have to watch a film a second enough. time to appreciate it it's no brilliant. no I mean to, to really see that it's a 10 out of 10 like it's but what well, am I like, missing in, in this the is the question I wanted to ask is what am I missing because I really don't see it I think it's the film's good it's it's I was um, I was almost pleasantly surprised by the lack of ultra violence after watching Snowpiercer <laughs> so, so you know you get a little bit of violence but it's nothing uh, it, it is a bit over the top a little bit when he hits him with the rock again but it's not like that's horrible that that's in a film he, that's where you know, oh they're dead yeah they're, that's yeah, horrible yeah. Like, for me I, th- I think for me what you're missing is it's so smart and I don't mean that as in like it's complicated plot or uh, whatever I mean more like it's it's made 
by an intelligent person, if that makes sense. The wit of each scene. Like, the characters are so full of life. And just little interesting things. Like, when um, Kevin is dropping his sister Jessica off at the park's house, and they're about to press the buzzer, and she stops him, because she's trying to make sure she's got her story right. It's Jessica so-and-so university this and this oh, and she's and doing the like little, a little song yeah yeah the little song and i thought oh that's just 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 a sweet little touch where it just feels like a film that's just been crafted and made and it just looks amazing do you know there's a lot of cgi in this film as well really but why like, <laughs> if you watch there's a, there's a whole corridor crew episode on this it's almost like david fincher stuff where you go i didn't even realize it's that just was CGI. the whole zodiac thing where there's there's whole cgi bits that you don't even realize a cgi so things like you know the house. The so the house, um, they only did the first floor of the house. The stuff above it is CGI. Right. They've got some trees in the garden, but the rest of that is actually like blue screened in. Really? Um, yeah, it's amazing. You can't really. tell. No, exactly. And the house they built, but they sort of just built it in four separate sound stages for different rooms, four or five mm. different sound stages. It's not actually built the way that it seems. Really? Um, when you go to the entrance of the house, say where they go when uh, Kevin and Jessica are doing that little song, that whole street, they're basically just in like a weird like industrial estate there. That whole street is kind of like CGI'd around it. Wow. Uh, it's genuinely amazing. I'll put it on the um, on the socials. I might have to watch the, uh, the Corridor Crew episode. But yeah. That's it's interesting. Really I don't mind. Like, when they use CGI like that and you can't tell, I, I love it, mate. I think yeah. that's when it's at its best, actually. Um, mm. Because it, it just, it's a tool for the filmmaker just to in, to give the vision of what they want just a little. Like, I always think CGI in the background is always better than CGI almost in the foreground. Do you know what I mean? Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Um, and, and I just, I don't know if. Obviously, know some if... things call for it. Like, you can't have space battles <laughs> with, yeah, course, without yeah. it, you know. But you, 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 you know it's CGI when it's happening. Maybe another thing that's missing is, and I get this sometimes, if a film is so built on symbolism and theme, it sometimes takes me two or three views or at least more time and maybe the odd YouTube video essay to realise how good it is. Yeah, but I shouldn't have sense. to watch a YouTube essay to see why this film's so good. No, but that, when I, what I mean by that is when I when I think that it, it's a sort of my failing in the sense that I didn't piece it together right. well enough and it's not necessarily the film's failing. Well, Sometimes it's a film's failing if you've got to watch it over and over again or you need the plot explained by I somebody mean, else. I would like to say that I'm, I'm pretty well qualified to watch a film about class and its implications do you know what I mean I've yeah. studied the implications of class for many years when I was you know a student I kind of you know I, I understand it do you know what I mean I understand it's the inequalities that it can bring the hardships and the, and also the 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 sort of the, the I don't know the fruits of wealth and what that can do for people you know so here's, here's a question is this better or worse than Snowpiercer I prefer Snowpiercer Whereas for me, Snowpiercer is so like one-dimensional in its social commentary, literally one-dimensional. You know, it's across the train. It's like poor people at the back, rich people at the front, and that's kind of it. Whereas this film has that geographical thing of well, it's those people high up in the city yeah. have it, and those people lower down don't have it. But it's more than that. It's more like it's about the stench of it. It's like Chris Evans' character Curtis. He's not fundamentally unable to be part of the front of the train because he's born poor he just got on you know necessarily whereas in this you know so i'll t- i'll take this to the to the final scene um 
Well, I think I, guess I think there will be two different, very very different films. That must be they're very different films. But I would the, say that they illustrate. I think the point of subtlety know, and nuance of the themes. The I mean, Snowpiercer is very much a metaphor about class and poverty and and equilibriums and all this sort of. Yeah, you know what you what you could almost say is like the the lies that the rich tell the poor and things like that. Yeah, and you know, and I, and I don't want to like hate on that because it is a good film but for me Snowpiercer is a more kind of like solid film like yeah okay I get the message it's making whereas this film you could talk for hours about how it makes the point of class because it's more complicated it's more nuanced than it's well more... I think what this film does differently to what Snowpiercer does is Snowpiercer is very much there's a higher authority figure they're controlling the lives of the poor people um, they're they're cruel and vicious towards them. They do horrible things to them. You know, they're very much repressed by them. Where in this, it's there's no... The only authority is wealth. And those that have yeah. it can use it to get people to do stuff they don't want. And those that don't have it have to think of interesting ways to try and attain it, I guess. Which I think is... is I think the Snowpiercer version there is kind of more simplistic because society is not really the case of there's one person at the top and that's the Prime Minister or President and they genuinely run oh, the system. Is it that's not, I think is that his name in Snowpiercer? I think so, Ed Harris. I mean, yeah. I wouldn't... And because it's not like that because it's it's ideological and it's, it's systemic, isn't it? I think so the, everybody I think, could die and the next generation bit... still has those systems. Sorry, say that last bit again. It's... Because in society it's more about perpetuating systems. It's not one mm. or two people with an iron fist at the top. I mean, one thing I would say perhaps is it might be a bit, it could, I could be wrong, but it might be a bit of a misnomer to compare these two films, even though they're both about class and stratification and, you know, the people with and without things. But like you said, Snowpiercer is more about the systems of control that the wealthy have in this, in this film over the poor and the, the outright authority that they have, where where um, Parasite's more about the interactions between different social classes. Well, it is, but it's also... It's more of a conversation, isn't it? It's the intractable... Like, it's basically the lack of social mobility. So right at the end of the film, um, as we find out, Mr. Park... Sorry, Mr. Kim, he's been hiding in the basement. And Kevin, he says, well, I've got a plan. I'm going to make lots of money. I'm going to buy that house. And it shows that happening. Mm. But then it cuts to it going back to that semi-basement and looking at him now... You could watch that and go, oh, that's quite ambiguous. Maybe is that saying that he does it? And Bong Joon-ho has come out and basically said, no, it's never going to happen for that kid. He's never going to do it. He's never going to make that much money. They estimate they are taking like 564 years to make the amount of money needed. It's a pipe dream, this plan of his. It's not actually looking into the future, that ending. It's just mm. saying what his plan is. And I think that's a big part of it. He's always going to smell like that. And he's always going to, he's always going to be poor. That's interesting. Plus I thought, I thought it was going to be one of those ambiguous endings, but there is an ambiguity. The, but he, yeah, he's, if the director's come out and said, yeah. "No, it's, a, it's an imagination. It's in his imagination." Then you can't. You're not going to argue, are you? <laughs> no, and I think you and you can interpret it in that way. And I, I sort of did until it cuts to, uh, until it cuts back to Kevin just in the semi basement, just like in the dark, mm. um, and it kind of shits all over. I want. I want dream, to I be very unequivocal here. I don't hate this film or anything like that it's a no, very no. well made film it's a very good film it's, again this, this was all my, those things well acted great fear, tension actually. good this good was my story big it wasn't it wasn't that you disliked it it was that we were going to get one of these reviews where it's like 
yeah, it's all right, but it's not that good, is I just, it? And, but I don't yeah. think it's as good as I just don't think it's as good as 1917, quite frankly. And I don't think it's I don't even think it's as good as Marriage Story. I prefer Marriage Story. I like this film. I think it's good, yeah. and you know, I would I would recommend you know jumping the gun a bit here, but I would recommend it. But that's good. I, you know, the fact that I've... I mean, okay, it was easier to recommend Marriage Story because it came out first. But, you know, that's the film I recommended to you. Um, yeah, I was... I was when I, After I watched it, I was surprised that it won the best Oscar. And maybe if I'd watched... If I'd watched this film before the Oscars were announced, I might have a different opinion. And be like, oh, I'm pleasantly surprised that it won. You know, who would have thought that film? Yeah, it was always going to be the danger. Yeah. Hyping it. But when I sit and reflect and look at the, the films on offer, when I compare 1917 and this, that's a better film. Yes, it doesn't have as much social satire commentary and all this, and it maybe doesn't have the comedy, but when you talk about beautiful-looking films, it's I think it's it's a gorgeous-looking film. It's got great... It's got amazing... It's got immense tension. It's got great performances. It's... Got the, it's got its own cinema trickery with the um, the continuous almost one shot that uh, thing that it's using. Um, I just no, it's a really good film. Nineteen Seventeen for me. For me, this is nowhere near. But they, I don't think they're comparable films. Uh, like it's hard to say which is better. I think that's more for taste, isn't it? Yeah, perhaps. But it's just. I'm, I mean, yeah, with Parasite, I get all the sort of. You know the social commentary that's in it. I understand all that. Um, I just I don't know. It, maybe it was just too hyped, and I was expecting to see a great film, and I just saw yeah. a good film. Well, that's a shame. Like I said, that that was my biggest worry that we were going to get a pretty lukewarm seven or eight out of ten kind of thing. Because because I just it feels like that's happened a lot on the show, and I don't know what it is. Whether it's just a a taste thing, or if I need to keep arguing <laughs> the case I don't think that's really going to help so with that in mind I'm keen well, to hear your before uh, we go on to favourite scenes favourite lines do you think it's better than than say Moonlight yeah yeah okay I mean Moonlight's the next I need to I need to rewatch Moonlight um, but they're both as close to 10 out of 10 as it needs to be do you think it's better than like The Social Network for me yeah you yeah, really but I'm I'm comfortable with somebody saying they prefer social network. For me, I prefer this. So yeah, I think the social network's far better. No, that's fair enough. Um, I, feel, I, think, yeah. I, feel, I feel like I'm being overly critical on a good film because it's not a bad film. I just it just doesn't live. It's just not going to live long in the memory. Like there's yeah, there is the great. There is a great. The, you know, a great. Like, let's get. In fact, we'll go. Let's go into favorite scenes. Go on. We'll, Go on. Do you want to do scenes first? Have you got your favourite scene? Yeah, all, uh, so I was, I was literally going to say, you know, there is the great scene when um, the housekeeper's husband comes out, he escapes from the basement and he brains the poor kid and yeah. then he and then he runs up and stabs uh, Mr. Kim's... Jessica. Yeah, Jessica, Mr. Kim's daughter. And, he, and then there's all that sort of hor- horrific sort of scenes where and then, and then you yeah. get Mr. Kim stabbing Mr. Park, which, uh, yeah, I was a bit confused by that. Um, I get it. I can't. I, I've been thinking about it a lot because it's like, so why? You know, what's his motivation in that moment for doing it? And you can, and he, it just seems to be a build-up of tension, doesn't it? Obviously, he's sat there, his daughter's on the floor dying, and he's got a man screaming at him to give him the keys to the car, and it's like, no, it's not. It's not a build-up of tension. It's 
it's it's everything the film's been building towards in the sense of uh to to Mr. Kim, Mr. Park is everything that's that's wrong, I suppose. It's I mean fundamentally the trigger is that when he lifts up I've forgotten the name of the guy, but the the you know, the guy who's been living in the basement, he lifts him up and he and he can't stand the smell. And that's the re- that's the recurrence of the Mr. Kim resents the fact that Mr. Park thinks that he stinks and he mm. and he hates that. He's always he's it's basically about his pride, his sense of worth, the whole system. He's got he's had a lifetime of uh, you know, basically can't make any money. Mm. It's, and and then they're screaming for the keys for their son who's just passed out rather than for his daughter who's dying on the floor. It's not just like a build of tension. Maybe this is it. Maybe this is why you don't love the film is because those things didn't land bit fit together. Yeah, I do think. Perhaps. I do maybe like I, I say with, like with, maybe so. Like I say, with there will be blood. For example, that was something that I thought maybe would would take a second viewing later for all of the things to to land. So, I mean, maybe just if you go to YouTube, um, yeah. Parasite themes. There's loads of really good video essays that kind of lay that out better than Maybe. I just, uh... I just I just feel like if I need a video essay to tell me why I should like a film, then perhaps the filmmaker didn't do his job in conveying those themes to me. But then again, as we said with, said with Primer, um, the joy of Primer is... Oh yeah, but Primer is, is, is a very out. different animal, isn't it? I know that that's Primer mechanical, but, but, you, but you can't, but you can't say that a film can't... You can't say that a film can't be a 10 out of 10 if you watch it and you don't get it all first time do you know what I mean like that's the beauty of cinema isn't it that like it can it can work on one level and you watch it again and it works on another level or if it like Mark Kerman often says you know you get out of it what you put into it so the more that you pick up on the things as you're watching it the the bet the more you get out of it maybe I just maybe I just didn't get it maybe that's maybe it's a maybe it's a fault with me perhaps I just watched the film didn't get it at 100%. I mean, one thing I did do after I watched it, because I was so kind of, oh, why I thought I understood, you know, I wanted to see what the hype about this film was, is I literally read Mark Kermode's and Peter Bradshaw's reviews of it, and they both wax lyrical about it, but they didn't say anything that I didn't see on the film. You know, I didn't see in the film. And yeah, maybe that bit you were saying there about that scene uh, when he gets stabbed. Um, Yeah. Yeah, maybe I, I maybe I misread it when I watched it, and I was. Well, that's it, and, and like and you you've say, explained and, it to me there. Fair enough. That's my that's my tendency as well. If I watch a film that everybody loves and I don't think it's that good, I tend mm. to blame myself and then think, well, I should watch that again to really make sense of it all. So Zodiac and The Departed, I haven't seen those for more than ten years. I saw them once, and I don't think they're that great but I know that that's not I think that's my fault rather than the films and I need to watch them again and reevaluate them sort of thing so it could be that or it could be it's taste and that's that's opinions are, are like that mm. um, so, for me the best scene yeah, was, what was um, your favourite scene? I think it was the fun and games it was them infiltrating the Park family and in particular the way that they got rid of the housekeeper uh, it's just so funny the way they play it all together and then he puts, I think it's soy sauce or something onto the hanky because they, they've made it out that she's got TB uh, as though she's coughed into this hanky and there's blood all over it. Um, it was cl- a close run with the, the one where they're drinking, uh, where the Kim family are getting drunk in the Park family's house. That's a kind of, that's a kind of, this is this is the thesis point of the film. Uh, you know, let's express the main themes of this film and, and the kind of, the message of this film in some ways. 
Fair enough. Yeah, no, there was um yeah, there was some good there was some good scenes in it, wasn't there? The uh the it's a solid film. How about your favourite line? Um <laughs> so my favourite line was when the housekeeper's trying to convince um <laughs> It's one of the funny lines. It's when the mm-hmm. house, the, the the housekeeper gets the best lines in this film, doesn't she? Quite frankly, um, when she's trying to, she's first she's trying to convince the the mum of the of the Kim family to let the husband stay, and oh, she's yeah. like, "Oh, sis, you know, why you yeah. know, help us out." And then We're when needy they, or needy. and then when they find out that they basically set her up and all that she's like don't cut don't fucking call me sis you filthy bitch and then there's another <laughs> line she gets when they're all um i know this is two lines i know it's breaking the formula but is it when they're in the living room and they've got them basically with their hands up and she calls them fuckers <laughs> i was really surprised by how many english words of like get into the get into the film actually i can't remember there's a whole there was a whole phrase, but yeah, that was the big one of the big takeaways actually when I saw it in the cinema. I was like, "Oh, it's amazing actually how many of the words they're using from English," and you can yeah. see if it's a word like um, oh, I can't even think of an example, but if it's like a technological recent word. But there was some that was really, really surprising. Is that right? Like, is, that what she, her... is that what she calls them? Does she says fuckers? Doesn't she? I think she does. I yeah, think she does. I'm sure yeah, she does. It, it and just I know that some languages do. I didn't write it down because it. Um... I think I'm right in saying that in. Danish and or Swedish um, they don't have swear words so you'll often get English swear words and there was a show called I think it's called something like In the Dark mm. um, where contestants are in a completely pla- uh, pitch black room and they have to find things in boxes but it could be a snake or it could be a you oh, know, awful. eyes and it's they're talking Swedish but occasionally they just go fuck shit <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I don't think it's so like 8 o'clock in the like evening <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, it's an odd phenomenon yeah I think there was just to go on a tangent there was a sign or something in Japan and it said like fuck or something like it, it was swe- it had swearing in it and it was like oh I don't yeah. think they quite understand how <laughs> sometimes it only takes one letter doesn't it <laughs> yeah so um, about you what was your favourite line favourite line for me uh, there was there were so many funny lines and it is really good and I could be here for it's a funny film like, the lines and I think the one that again was part of that scene I mentioned which is kind of like this is the thesis point of the film uh, Keytech says rich people are naive no resentments no creases on them and then Chung Suk uh, the the mother says yeah. it all gets ironed out money is an iron those creases all get smoothed mm. out by money and that's really the key point I remember watching a video on Reddit or something um, a couple of years ago of a guy and he's got two lighters and he says this lighter has been inside and it's dry this lighter has been outside uh, in the rain for a while and he shows that the, the dry one just sparks immediately and the one that's been out in the rain it takes a little bit of care and he dries it and then it, and it works and he's basically making an an analogy to, to people and how you know if you've lived in poverty you're a, you're sort of a bit damaged or you just need a little bit extra to you're, a bit you, wet. you're still as functional basically <laughs> you're a bit wet you know so you like, need a towel homeless, <laughs> you a need towel. a towel yeah, yeah Douglas Adams would be a big fan of that theory um, <laughs> like if you're homeless it's or if you like let's say you go to prison for a minor crime you know and then you struggle to get a job and then you don't get money and you, you're homeless and then you know it's just kind of like uh, this drift downwards um, whereas for the rich people like I said when it's when it's a deluge of rain they just get slightly inconvenienced 
uh, and they yeah. can just go home and it's it ruins their camping spacious. plans, doesn't it? Essentially, yeah. Whereas the the poorer people are in many ways kind of, if not better people, they're certainly more connected and uh, we like them more. Um, uh, yeah, you know. I mean, it, it, this film almost goes out of its way to make you not really like the Park family all that much, doesn't it? They are yeah, but like without the, making them like a tyrant, horrible. they're just a bit unsympathetic. Yeah, she's a bit, she's a bit naive and a bit, I don't know, a bit uptight, a bit naive. Yeah, a bit, she's yeah. a bit. Yeah, she's a bit naive. She's a bit. Um, Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? She she frets a lot and she's a bit yeah, anxious in appearances. Yeah, and then it, like when the the uh, the two fathers are talking in the car, he's like, "Oh, you love your wife," and he's just like, mm, "Yeah, I guess." Let's call it love. Yeah, yeah. and he's like, "Don't cross the line." What the fuck are you doing then? You know. What I mean? <laughs> um, well, that's the thing, and you're right. It is. It's ultimately saying that the poor people are at least more likeable but you're right it's ambiguous as to who the parasites really are and I quite yeah. like that it's not a complete sledgehammer rich people are bad poor people are good because they're not all that good and they scam their way and all that sort of stuff um, favourite shot then relatively new feature that we've got uh, what was your favourite shot of yeah the film? I mean just before we go on to favourite shot that that is something I genuinely like about this film is it it, your perspective on the world might be who you view as the parasite because yeah. I think from us maybe as the as the the I mean from my point of view I would almost say well the parasite's clearly the man in the basement isn't he yeah. he's literally <laughs> living off you know yeah. you know thank god Germans don't just eat sausage and beer or you know, <laughs> as uh, the father says at the end and mm. then yeah, but then if you're if you're more well healed in this world, you might be like, oh, those dirty, rotten, poor people. Yeah, getting, you know, imagine Taking how well earned money. You know, imagine how um, the MP for the 19th century, Jacob rees would think about this film. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, exactly. Yeah, he's earned it in his tech company, and he, you know, he, he deserves to come home to some well-made sirloin, and then he has all these poor people bothering him and. Sorry, Birmingham. I thought for a second that you thought that you Not said Jacob Rees-Mogg <laughs> had a tech company. <laughs> but that'd be a turn up for the books. More of a maybe he has investor a, or something. Maybe he has a, like a steam pipe valve company or something. <laughs> That's high tech to him. <laughs> yeah, he only got four. Favourite shot then. If I saw Jacob Rees-Mogg using a phone, I'd probably take it off him. <laughs> be like, no. <laughs> You're a man out of time. Yeah, put your top hat back on. Um... So yeah, so yeah, my favourite shot of the film, I really like the one when, I like the way this this just it's from behind, and it's when she kicks the the housekeeper down oh, the stairs. Yeah. It's <laughs> like she's just walking along and boof, and it's it's so subtle, it's almost subtle, and then it cuts mm. and it shows a bang in her, her head. Oh and yeah, that's all. That, that's you know ugh. that sound. Ugh. We've yeah. all heard that sound. Horrible. Yeah, I I, I like so many of the shots in this. There's there's the eyes in the darkness that uh, terrifies um, Dar Song, but mm. I think for me, what I found really interesting, kind of from a director from the director point of view, was if you remember when the housekeeper and her husband they're reminiscing about when they could be out in the light and out and above ground and wandering around before the Park family came in. Mm. So I think it was while they were working for the architect. And they're sat there basking in the light because obviously it's a big, big glass pane uh, in front of the living room. And they're looking. And then because while they're reminiscing, the Kim family are charging them. 
their reminiscing versions look to the side, like looking at they look at the camera. I don't know if if this if you remember this. I don't actually. It doesn't matter too much, but anyway, hopefully, I've, hopefully, I've described it there. So it's yeah. kind of like their mod, their current people, their current versions, of their characters, like contemporary ones, because they're looking towards the Kims. Them reminiscing, basking in the sunlight, look towards the Kim, like look over into the same corner because they're sat in the same place. I right. don't know if I've explained it well. If you've seen the film, you might, you yeah. might know. I'd have to, uh, I might have to watch it again to to know which bit. You're it's a about. really, it's a really interesting shot. It's it's yeah. really good, and it, and I can see why it won Best Director this because. It, because it's not just like oh well we'll just set up a camera it'll be a cross shot there'll be people talking and that's it it's it's so smartly put together because sometimes you'll have voiceover of Kevin saying and then you then you do that and you do that when they're scripting the conversation that Mr Kim should have with um with Mrs Park uh, about the TB and he's you know he's overheard her in the hospital and that sort of thing and it cuts to and from him reading the script and getting notes on the way he's reading the script and goes back to it. It's just really, it's almost like, it's like, you know, in, say, Ocean's Eleven when they're describing what they're going to do and then oh. you see them doing it. But, like, a, but like 80% of the film is like thing. that. Yeah, but 80% of the film is kind of like that. It's really, it's so well put together and a lot of mm. a lot is made about how Bong Joon-ho likes to um, storyboard everything before he, uh, before he films it so he doesn't need to get lots of coverage and just get lots of random shots just in case they want to edit it in and it does feel like a film that's properly been crafted fair enough yeah so we've done all the all the big things there so um, we're going to go for a little break uh, when we come back we're going to hear what the critics say we're going to get a, um, a rating from Hugh which is going to be 7 or 8 and we are going to have a little quiz so join us after the break Hello and welcome back. As promised, we're going to hear uh, from the critics. Now, Hugh, you know it's critics. a much-hyped film, uh, and it is a much-hyped film. Metacritic, 96%. So it's a very uh, beloved it's a number. Our favourite, Mark Kermod, uh, he gave it 5 out of 5 in The Observer. In, um, like you said, you, you looked at his, his review. Yeah, I might so have on. actually, this might be the review I actually read, but go on. Probably will be, yeah. So I'll, I'll read it out, it's a couple of paragraphs. Uh, he says... As I mentioned at the start, the ideal way to experience uh, this film is uh, with as little prior knowledge as possible. So if you're reading this before seeing the film and you've managed to avoid the whirlwind of publicity, it may be simpler to just stop and head straight to the cinema. Because at the risk of adding to the hype, Parasite really is the kind of remarkable experience that makes modern moviegoing such a joy. For me, Parasite is best described as a melancholy ghost story, albeit one disguised beneath umpteen layers of superbly designed and impeccably photographed generic mutations. Thrillingly played by a flawless ensemble cast who hit every note and harmonic resonance of Bong and Kuraya Hanjin Won's multi-tonal script, it's a tragic comic masterclass that will get under your skin and eat away at your cinematic soul. Mm. He liked it. I like I like <laughs> his comparison to it to being like a ghost story or a melancholic ghost mm. story. It was yeah. I, it is the review that I did read. To be fair, so I do when you read it out, I, I did recognise. Um, that, and, that it, and it echoes a lot of what he says in the uh, in the radio show uh, as well, mm. so you can all find that on YouTube. Um, I think he saw it like three slightly... times or something. He was saying he said he'd seen it, yeah, three times or four times. Even he's looking, oh yeah, three. He's looking forward to seeing it. And he's looking forward to seeing it in black and white, which I haven't actually seen in black and white yet. Mm. Um, the most negative review I could find was a seven out of ten by Stephen Dalton in the Hollywood Reporter. Oh, yeah. He said, like like much of Bong's work, Parasite is cumbersomely plotted and heavy handed in its social commentary. 
The largely naturalistic treatment here may also alienate some of its fam- fantasy fanboy constituency. That said, this prickly contemporary drama still feels more coherent and tonally assured than Snowpiercer or Okja, and packs a timely punch that will resonate in our financially tough, tough, politically polarised times. So, cumbersomely plotted, heavy-handed in its social commentary. Um, I mean... And it's, I'd... you know, may, may alienate some of his fanboys. You know, and he is heavy-handed in social commentary, but I think but Parasite appeal, is the most... It? That's the thing I yeah. actually quite like that about Bong Joon-ho, is that he does, he has a point to make in his films. Mm. These are the points he makes. I've, I've always quite liked that, actually. I don't, it doesn't what, bother I, me. What, I've, what I liked about Parasite, because this is the third of his films that I'd seen, is that mm. it's, it is more nuanced and complex than Snowpiercer and Okja. They are a bit more sledgehammer over the head. This is what, this is the point I'm making. Mm. Whereas Parasite, obviously, is very heavy-handed in social commentary, but at least has a bit more nuance, which I've said for it's, about... 25 times I've not, I've not seen Okja but is it just the fact that Parasite's kind of just set in a in a more believable world if that makes sense obviously you know the high fantasy of Snowpiercer kind of you know it's hard to empathise with people living on a train even if mm. you know you have got stuck on one every now and then between <laughs> between Leeds and Manchester yeah yeah, yeah exactly because it's naturalistic because I think a high concept like Snowpiercer he does that in the best possible way to do that, but it is the sort of high concept that a hack could come up with as well. You know, like oh, like you know how there's ball. classes. In, <laughs> you know how there's you know how there's classes in society. Well, there's also classes on trains. What, you know, and it's a bit kind of yeah. like that's a, not that smart. Whereas yeah. Parasite's much smarter. So, so instead of so yeah, so that could you know you could have uh, I don't know <laughs> like. I'm trying to think of some way to say Sharknado, Trainnado. <laughs> well, that's it. There's, there's like high concepts, slightly more schlocky, yeah. White House down <laughs> kind of uh, kind of things. Um, Parasite so you, down. I'm going to need your uh, need your rating. Go on, How then. many? Oh, you know, I do have a rating system, but I don't like it now. Oh, I'll go for it anyway. How many schizophrenia corners uh, or zones out of ten would you give this film? <laughs> I like that. I, I like that bit in the film, actually. I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, it's great. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, seven. Yeah, seven, you're right. It? Fuck you. <laughs> yeah, because it, it's not a bad it's film. It's not a seven out of ten film, Hugh. But it's not, it's just maybe the hype was too much for me. Maybe that's maybe my problem with it. Maybe I was expecting. Well, listen, like you know, let us let us know. Let us know what you think of Hugh's rating. Is he right? Is he wrong? Should we stop the podcast now? <laughs> Come that on, might then. be an unrelated question. Quiz me. I want to be quizzed. Let's give it. My, I'm a ten out of ten, by the way, for uh, Parasite. We, we just, do that. Just show sure. people. That, yeah. <laughs> uh, so here we go. Five questions. I've got a couple of extras. One as ones as well. If they're too easy, okay. uh, I think these are relatively easy, but we'll see. Um, question one: What job do the family have at the start of the film? Oh, what were the folding pizza boxes? Folding pizza boxes, that's right. Question two, which university did Kevin supposedly attend? Oh, I can't remember. Um, I don't know, Seoul University? There's two possible answers. It was Oxford or Yonsei, depending on if you, depending on the Korean or the English. Uh, question three, which university did Jessica apparently attend? Was it... Something in Illinois or Chicago or something like Illinois. that. Illinois, yeah, Illinois that's right. State Illinois. University or something. Yeah, which doesn't sound as impressive as <laughs> Stanford or something. Um, oh, question four: 
Which fruit is forbidden in the park house? Uh, peaches. Well done. Why is that? Because um, the housekeeper's allergic to them. Fantastic. Um, question five. How does Nathan, Mr. Park, test Mr. Kim's driving? How does he test it? Um... Other than just sitting in the car while he's driving, he's got a, a very clear, specific way to measure it. Don't know. Um, doesn't he make him drive without the GPS or something like that? No, he's 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 got a cup of coffee, and he's looking uh, when he's yeah, turning when he's cornering to see if it spills or he's like, oh yes, very tips. smooth. Which is very good. I do have two bonus questions go for on, you, then. just for a laugh. Which Olympic sport? Which Olympic sport is Mrs. Kim? Uh, which one does she have a medal for? She's got a medal for an Olympic sport. Uh, is it equestrian? No. Yeah. That's a bit bit posh, isn't it, for a incredibly poor? <laughs> oh, Mrs. Uh, Kim. Sorry, I thought you said Mrs. Kim. Oh, Mrs. Kim. Oh fuck! What did she do? Um, oh, medal, and that's what. Got an uh, Olympic Mrs. medal. She doesn't have an Olympic medal, but she's got a medal in Olympic sport. Oh, steeplechase. <laughs> it's a hammer throw. Oh, right, okay. And then she's doing the hammer throw on the park's lawn. Is she? Mm, there you go. No, maybe you just didn't watch the film. Were you on your phone or something? Maybe that's maybe that was a problem. I no, you this phone. is it. When you have Scratching a subtitle film, you, the, you can't go on your phone, can you? Because you've, <laughs> you've got to read the subtitles. I suppose you've got to watch this... Uh, genre-defining film. Uh, and a final question for you. What Genre is the name defining. of the house's art architect? Oh, Dave. Yeah, <laughs> Dave. Dave Goon. Jason Park. Well done. So I think you got some of them right, some yeah. of them wrong. Well, let's see. I let's think I got three out of five to say on the... A seven out of ten, I'd give you. No. <laughs> I got... I got... Th- I think I got three out of seven, actually, in the end. We'll, we'll give it a, an even 3.5. So well done. Yeah, well, well, we done. don't add these up and keep a count of them. So it never does. It doesn't really matter. Everyone gets points. <laughs> keeping a spreadsheet. <laughs> I was going to reveal it at the end of the decade. Oh, no. Right. Oh, well. There you oh, go. Well. So, Hugh, the big question that remains. I mean, you've, you've, I suppose there's two questions. Uh, would you recommend this film? I know you've answered it already. Yeah, I would, yeah, because it, it's got something to say, hasn't it? It is. There's something to say. It's an interesting film. It's well acted. It's got... It's, I like Kermode's kind of calling it a melancholic, you know, melancholy ghost story. It's got got some fun tension in it. Um, I like the twist in it. It's it's not a bad film. It's just not a ten out of ten, like I thought it was going to be. In your opinion, Um, so the other big question is: What are we going to watch next week? Um, So, keeping with the Oscar theme. For some reason, we're going all, we're going all glitzy, aren't we, at the minute, Sam? Um, yeah, weirdly unintentional, but uh, we'll stick with yeah, it. Yeah, um, I'll be honest, I don't think this film's a 10 out of 10, but I think it's a film worth watching. Um, again, we're talking, you know, social commentary and, you know, th- things that are relevant in our time. Uh, I'm going to get you to watch the film Spotlight from, I think it was in mm. 2014, 2015, won the Oscar in 2015, I think. So I think it was 2014 when it was released. Let's say 2015. Yeah, so yeah. with uh, circa five years ago, an ensemble cast with Michael Keaton, it's mm. got uh, Lev Schreiber and uh, Mark Ruffalo, and a few others uh, thrown in there for good measure. Yeah, Spotlight, a film I've not seen. I think I'm right in saying it's about the Catholic Church covering up a lot of basically child abuse in yeah. the uh, priests and so on. 
um, in Boston, Chicago, one of them places. Yeah, I think. I think it's Boston, something like that. Boston, I think, and it's obviously based on a true story. I am looking forward to it. It's not going to be a, a you know a lightweight watch, but it is a film that I I felt like I should have seen. You know, this film is this this podcast is not about us being film experts. It's about us having not seen a lot of films we're supposed to have seen, which is fine. Yeah. So yeah, no, I'm looking forward to looking forward to watching it. It's it, on. Um, yeah, it's on Prime. I think. I think I, I recommended it because it's. I think it's. It talks about uh, an interesting, well, not interesting, but uh, a delicate subject. Well, it's an interesting subject, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's mental. Yeah, it <laughs> and, is. Yeah, you know, yeah. you know yeah. me. I'm, I'm, I'm all for bashing the Catholic Church. So, yeah. yeah, bring it on, bring it on. I'm looking forward to watching it. it, it it's not going to be one I'll watch with my daughter of a Sunday afternoon. So I'll probably wait. You probably, uh, could, to be honest with you, time. you probably could because there's no. I don't think there's much swearing in it. She's obviously far too young to know what a paedophile yeah. is, and it to be even the word mentioned. I think it doesn't even. I think I, I, I think should, they barely mention I the probab- word. In the film. I probably couldn't really watch it whilst also, you know, feigning interest in Paw Patrol. Though. So I, I will no, try I, that's and watch a fair, it properly. That is a fair point. You know, it <laughs> so might, yeah, might be so hard while she's doing shapes. <laughs> yeah, I, I am looking forward to that. Uh, so thanks you for the recommendation. So Hugh, if the listener wants to get in touch with us, tell us their views on uh, Parasite, Spotlight. What I really want to know, listener, is what films haven't you seen that you really ought to have seen? That's what mm. I'd really like to get a bit of comms going with. Uh, I'll put that on the socials as well. What yeah. films haven't you seen? Maybe we're talking New Year's resolutions. Maybe what classic films are you finally going to get to watch in 2021 that you've been putting off? So if they wanted to do that, Hugh, how could they do it? Well, Sam, as you know, what they need to do is they need to get a job working for a rich South Korean family. And then they need to get jobs for all their family if they don't have them already. And then when they've you know got a bit of downtime, they can use the South Korean families, the um, laptop to send us an email to uh, pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com. Right. Pretty if, intricate. Pretty intricate. I mean, it's I not for everybody. A, I think it's achievable though, isn't it? It's achievable. They've, they've got the blueprint in the Parasite. Watch Parasite. See how it's done. Do yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Send us an email. I mean, they don't have Watch to go back in scene. time or anything like that. Like some of our <laughs> recommendations to help to emails have been. <laughs> Absolutely. Practically. Uh, yeah, it, it's a walk in the park. See what I did there? It is. We should do a film about a walk in the park so it makes it really easy for our listeners to email in. Maybe that's why we're not getting all the emails that we want. Uh, if that seems bothersome if you for example don't want to travel to South Korea during a, a pandemic um, you could get us on social media I suppose for yeah. example on Twitter we're at please watch pod we use the same handle on Facebook and Instagram as well but um, yeah Twitter is what where films haven't you seen comfortable. that you should have seen tell us we want to know what films haven't you seen that you should have seen I think we'll we'll, we'll capitalise on this new year new me vibe yeah you know we're in lockdown you're at home watch some fucking films tell us about <laughs> it <laughs> uh, right, so, other than that bit of fury towards them I love the listener do you I like know. them or I mean I don't know most of them so it's hard oh, yeah. to say my personal feelings on them Ranger is a friend you haven't met yet Hugh yeah, unless that person wants to murder you, I guess. And a and a and a listener is a a, a fuck monkey you haven't fucked yet. <laughs> <laughs> so with that in mind, listener, I love you. Yeah, Sam Sam has a he irrational. Yeah. You know, you've not even erection. Most of them. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Come on. And I'll talk to you next week. He will talk yeah. at you next week as well. Take care. See you next week. Bye. Bye.